0: lights up backstage of kind of a shoddily put together speakers platform there's an audience outside not a very large audience kind of a very ragtag audience but Pennyworth, McScrooge is standing in the back there with some of his notes in front of him and his friend from the cabinet is standing next to him and says don't you worry at all Penniesworth. i mean you are one of the foremost economic minds of all time at this point especially after the whole economical collapse with all of the stuff that happened between the united states and canada and whatnot I'm sure that our new monetary system and just general economic way of life is going to go over just smoothly.
1: It better. I had a pretty good life back in Australia. Um. I, anyway, I gave up a lot to be here, so uh, I'm putting my neck out there for you.
0: I mean, not as many people gave up quite as much as you. I mean, I understand that the hedge fund that you used to manage back in the states was incredibly valuable.
1: Yes. Um. It was. It had a. I don't. I don't like to think about it. Um. But it's fine. It's fine. Who need? You know. I used to. I used to be that guy the money guy like penny pincher um things are different now so it's fine it's fine that i lost 7.3
0: billion dollars yeah <clears throat> i mean that's how it goes sometimes but you know what we're going to inspire these people with a brand new economic way of doing things don't you worry i'm gonna butter them up for you real quick yep you got it buddy And he strides out onto the stage, and there's some scattered applause from people who are wearing, like, Mad Max-style armor. There's people from various factions across the outback. There's a couple mutant animals. There's the rest of the Quakas that have still been in touch with you since the regretful passing of their leader. But he steps out to the lectern and pulls the microphone towards himself, and there's some feedback as it kind of creaks into place, and he says everyone i am prepared to introduce to you one of the best economic minds of our time here in the apocalypse he was an incredibly successful hedge fund manager back in america but then you all know it happened you know justin trudeau and joe biden challenged each other to a duel live on the air in front of the entire world and at the last minute they made a personal bet that whichever nation lost the value of their currency would become one millionth of the value of the other country's currency you know just to try (laughs) to flex on each other so So inevitably, when Justin Trudeau put one right between Joe Biden's eyes, all of Penny's Worth's money was suddenly reduced to one millionth of its previous value, but that hasn't stopped him from remaining an incredibly successful person. He has figured out how to ply the apocalyptic wasteland to his benefit, and he's going to share some of his insights with all of you. And so, yes, everybody just continue to. There's hors d'oeuvres at the back. If you're interested in wiping your mouth, we've got some American dollars back there that you can use. (laughs) Everybody, welcome to the stage. Penny's Worth, Mick Scrooge. And he begins clapping, and there's a couple people out in the audience as well who are also clapping mostly the Quakas.
1: hey uh thanks for all um coming out i uh was told to talk to you guys a little bit about this new system um that we're going to use uh some of the pros and cons not many cons just mostly pros um but it should bring a lot of value to shareholders uh and encourage a lot of commercial growth and uh as i speak i kind of trail off and my ears start to ring things get a little fuzzy um yeah because we want to um we want to see you know a period of currency value we want to raise the value of the currency because we want to keep everything the way it was before all this happened
0: you see a hand raise out in the audience and it's dave john paisley's older son dave is that you yeah so i've been playing a lot of fallout lately and i was just wondering if there's any validity to the rumors that you're planning on instituting a cola bottle cap based system of economics
1: yes well um currency currency obviously uh is an important factor into any successful economy the accumulation of wealth i'm sorry i'm sorry i just Why would we want to implement a new economic system that's the same as it was before? I mean, didn't it suck before? Weren't we all miserable in our jobs? Well, not me. I was rich. But the rest of you? Everyone said they were miserable. And I kind of was miserable, I just didn't realize it. You know, it was going into the Outback that made me realize why are we doing this again? I turn off stage and literally look right at my friend. What is,
0: what's the point of all this? And he has kind of a panicked look in his eyes and he comes rushing out towards you and he says, uh, yes, these are the big questions that all of you should be asking for yourselves. Um, do we have any questions so far? And you see another hand races out in the audience and Rivers Cuomo stands up, the lead singer from the band Weezer, and he says, yeah, I'm here with Weezer's Legion and we've been trying to build up the power of our faction here in the irradiated outback. And I just don't really see how we can do that without lots and lots of buku bucks, man. How am I supposed to have power if I don't have cold, hard cash?
1: Why, why does there always have to be someone more powerful? Why do you always have to have the person who's powerful and the person who's weak? I mean, with all due respect, Mr. Quovo, isn't life hard enough out there in the wasteland? I, I mean, why do, you, why do you feel like you get to be more powerful?
0: Well, I am an incredibly successful musician. And in fact, I think your friend John Paisley, I'm his favorite band, or at least... At least the guy who portrayed John Paisley, it's his favorite band. So I think, you know, based on my previous success and my previous celebrity, I've created some stuff that people really jive to, so I think I should have some power in this post-apocalyptic wasteland.
1: But isn't it just cool that people vibe with your stuff? Why do you... I don't know. I guess maybe I'm letting uh, my own personal biases slip in here, but I think life out in the wasteland is... It's hard, but... It helps you see what's important.
0: And you see another hand raise up in the audience, and it's one of the Quokkas.
1: Yes, question.
0: He stands up and turns to the rest of the audience and says, Well, you know, I'm kind of new to this whole sapience kind of situation. Before the apocalypse, I didn't care anything about buku bucks or cold hard cash, as this guy over here is talking about it. All I worried about was, you know, I wake up in the morning and I find myself some nice sticks to chomp on, and my life was perfectly happy. You know, if I could live that way before all of this happened, I had no need for currency, I had no need for trading of goods and services, I just relied on the land to provide for me and I relied on my community.
1: Thank you, thank you. I guess that's what I've been trying to get at here. I realize now that I had to step on a lot of people to climb as high as I did before. Kind of tired of seeing people get stepped on, you know? So uh, maybe when I pull out a handful of bottle caps from my pocket, maybe we don't worry about making the same mistakes we made last time. And I just huck the bottle caps behind me off the side of the stage. And uh, maybe we just worry about, I don't know, doing what we enjoy. Rivers. You're a musician, right? You want power over people, but what are you really passionate about? What what do you want to do if you could do anything in the world? Is it really just gain power over people? Or do you want to do more music or write poetry or paint? I don't know.
0: And he looks down for a moment and then looks back up and his eyes are brimming with tears. And he says... You know, all this time I've been so worried about vying for power in this new way of living. And I forgot all about what Australia is so awesome for and that's surfing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh,
1: limit water exposure, maybe, you know, the radiation. Um, but you know what? Go for
0: it. Go surf more. Learn to surf. And he gets up. He's got some hodgepodge together, slightly Roman looking armor with like football pads and that kind of stuff. And he tears it off and he's wearing a tank top and a pair of swim trunks. And he says, yeah, you know what? You all can take your cars to work. I'll take my board and he pulls a surfboard out of just nowhere and starts leaping out of the crowd and all of his followers are just kind of like uh what's going on
1: yes who else uh Quaka. what do you want to do with your time
0: I would be really happy if I could just go and look at birds all day they're wacky but I like them to
1: do it go look Uh, Dave, what did you want to do?
0: Uh, mostly, I was just really hoping that I would finally get that PS5 that my dad promised us a while back, but I know that they're in very short supply, you know, even before the apocalypse, they were in short supply. But you know what? I've always kind of wanted to get into retro gaming.
1: Yeah, that's going to take a lot of time now. So that's perfect. That'll fill up a lot of months to find all the working parts for that. Go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets up and grabs Buster by the hand and they start rushing out as well
1: all of you everyone think of what you want to do go out and do it this is your only shot why are you coming here hoping to redo and remake the same mistakes we made before
0: go out and follow your dreams and one by one they start to stand up and filter their way out of the arena and then finally your friends from the cabinet steps up next to you and says well this didn't quite go as expected gonna have an interesting report to bring back to emperor gentry after all this
1: i think he'll understand Me and him, we go way back. To be quite honest, I'm happy with how that went. I hope I didn't totally screw you over, but I think I can sleep at night.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that you quite screwed me over. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out all of the bottle caps that you threw off stage during your speech.
1: I'm gonna be honest. I hope that your life goes well, but this particular venture doesn't take off. Just don't put too much stake in these. Make sure, you know, you remember what's really important
0: and he looks up at you very pensive for a moment and says well what can happen in this crazy world especially now that everything's turned up on its head maybe you're right who knows see you when i see you indeed go follow your dreams don't know why it takes an apocalypse to convince people to follow their dreams
1: i wish it didn't i wish people would fight for their dreams before everything went to crap but maybe people just need something to light a fire under their
0: butt and you turn towards him and he is currently lighting a fire with a bunch of the American dollar bills that people were using as napkins
1: uh, don't ever change man and I'll walk out and start heading back into the outback
0: you take a big old breath of the stanky sulfurous air and it smells like freedom <laughs> you start heading back home lights up on a very quaint and nicely appointed two-bedroom apartment in the middle of an irradiated wasteland, not connected to an apartment building, just one single apartment that managed to remain intact as the rest of the building was blasted to bits. This single apartment standing by itself has managed to land kind of nicely, it's a little bit askew, the home of John Paisley and his two sons Dave and Buster that they have built for themselves here here in The Irradiated Outback.
2: Ah, the smell of capitalism. (laughs) I am so glad those Australians have stopped those silly ways of socialism. I mean, am, am, am I right, boys?
0: Dave from the other room is like, yeah, dad, whatever. And you notice he is, as always, just kind of playing video games on this old sort of, it is a very large TV, but it's a cathode ray TV, one of the big, heavy, deep ones. It's very odd to see him playing like Witcher 3 on this old TV, but he is playing nonetheless, and he's just totally zoned into this TV, completely ignoring all of the wonders going on around him.
2: All right, boys, you have about 10 more minutes and then we'll get back to Bibles study. And then after that, we'll get back to how to make money with Glenn Beck.
0: Dave rolls his eyes again and is just like, oh, dad, why are we trying to keep things the way that they were before? I mean, like our old life was kind of lame. Why don't we do something new and exciting? I mean, we're like in the apocalypse right now.
2: Well, that was a test, sons. You know that I love Glenn Beck, but he's not the one that wrote how to make money. It's Dave Ramsey. So for that, we shall turn off the Nintendo and rip out the HDMI cord. And I say, get to your studies. We are gonna learn how to be the best in this country. And then uh, if you're good, I'll take you out for target practice.
0: He gets up all sulky like and Buster is just kind of following along obediently as he always does. They get to their studies. I'm going to roll to see how well they retain what they're learning. It's a plus two. They actually do surprisingly well this time.
2: Very good, boys. Very good
0: and Dave is like, I don't even know why we're still learning about economics. I mean, like I went to this seminar with Pennyworth the other day and he was supposed to introduce this new economic sort of way of living in the apocalypse. And at the end he was just like, hey everybody forget about money, follow your dreams. And so, I mean like that sounds pretty cool to me, TBH.
2: Yeah, I would say follow your dreams if your dreams are, you know, to make money and to not pay taxes. But in this household, your dreams come from the Bible.
0: (laughs) They kind of look down and they're like, yes, father. And they get back to their studies. Just uh, kind of a general pallor, a general malaise, a general sadness about them.
2: Buster, did you mow the lawn?
0: And he looks up at you and he's like,
2: Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: it gets kinda hard because it gets sort of burned up every single night by all of the radiation, but
2: I went out and I mowed it anyway. I was gonna say, there's not that much grass out there, so if you didn't do it, I would be very surprised, but I'm gonna go out there and check to make sure you did.
0: All right, I'm going to roll to see if he actually did mow the grass or not. Plus three, he mowed the lawn. What obedient boys you have.
2: Very good, very good. (sighs) Ah, wouldn't I do for a cold Budweiser?
0: And as you lift your head up from the lawn, you're kind of surveying your property here. You see a cloud of dust coming in from across the desert. There is a flag that's raised up from this giant war machine that's moving towards you, and you recognize it as the flag of Emperor Gentry, who has taken over rulership of this continent.
2: Oh, no, not Gentry. Boys! boys to the bunker
0: you start ringing this alarm bell that you've installed right outside your front door and they get into full bug out mode they're grabbing their bags they're grabbing their guns and their bows and arrows and their swords and everything all of these armaments that you've kept here in your you know even though the second amendment doesn't necessarily exist anymore since the dissolution of the united states it still lives on in your heart oh yes and you all rush towards the entrance. You pull up this giant corrugated steel doorway leading down into the cement bunker. Your sons pile down. You look out into the distance, and you can see that war machine getting closer and closer and closer before you close the door and get down in there with your two boys.
2: All right, sound off. Dave, Buster, and uh, Dad. All right, we're here. We're all here. (sighs) Oh, Okay, well... We knew this day was coming, boys. Now's the time to know if you're gonna become boys or men.
0: And Dave says, well, dad, what I would like to know is more of like, why the heck are you and Gentry fighting now? I mean, you used to be really tight back in the day.
2: Gentry was a really good guy. He was uh he served in the military and uh I thought he was, you know, pretty much the depiction of what a good-standing American would be, but then he went a little overboard, a little overzealous, and he started, you know, running for president when we didn't really have an election going on, but he started started to get the wild species, those mutated quakas on their side, and then it became this whole lion king thing where he had all the hyenas with him and it just it, it was a, it was a royal mess is what it was. And anyway, they're now on the same team and we are overrun by quackers, and i just he hasn't been the same ever since i'd like to say it was because of all the money that he made money will do that to you boys money is the root of all evil isn't that right
0: you see that they're still holding their dave ramsey workbooks that they were just studying before you came down here and dave looks down at this financial workbook and looks back up at you and says yes dad money is the root of all evil
2: it's only when you have too much. If you are uh, able to have a good spending budget and be able to um, keep living within your means, it's, it, money's okay. But he was not living within his means, and that's just evil. <laughs> and he also didn't read his Bible. Two things that I frown upon.
0: This entire time, the rumbling has been getting louder and louder, and your bunker is beginning to shake. There's an old family photo that has you and your two sons and a woman whose face has been burned out. It falls down onto the floor of the bunker and the glass shatters. And eventually the rumbling stops, and you hear the crunching of heavy jackboots coming up towards the door, and you hear a little knock on the door leading down into your bunker.
2: Dave, Dave, I need you to go to the back, and I need you to pull out the Ronald Reagan. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily the best secret name. I mean, it's a ray gun. We just call it the Reagan. Whatever, Dad, you and your freaking dad jokes, and he goes off to the (laughs) back to grab your death ray that you've been working on.
2: All right, uh, Buster, Buster, I need you to open the door slowly and see what he needs
0: he goes up he's like army crawling his way up the stairs and very slowly cracks open you've got like this sort of miniature door inside of the main door he cracks it open slightly and he's like hey gentry Gentry." and gentry goes oh hey buster it's been a while how you guys doing down there Oh, you know, Dad's just freaking out again. He thinks you're gonna like convert it. I don't. I'm actually not entirely sure what he thinks you're gonna do to us.
2: He's gonna convert us to communism.
0: And Gentry kind of pauses for a moment, and he's like. Okay. That's that's a, a little bit of a leap. Uh, John, I know that you've been out here for a while. I can't imagine that things are going super well for you out here by yourself.
2: I've been drinking a lot of battery acid and it's really gone to my head. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. You see, that's
0: exactly why I think you should come back over to Melbourne with me. You know, we can get you into a hospital and we can see what we can do about what's going on inside of not only your body, but also apparently your mind with all this battery acid that you've been been. drinking
2: you would love that wouldn't you Kami?
0: and at this point dave has wheeled up the ronald reagan and he has it right in front of you it's this big old ghastly looking contraption it's on like an old projector cart like you would see back in school and this clump of wires and plates of metal it's sparking with electricity and plasma even right now before it's fully turned on
2: All right, Dave, I need you to go around back and aim it at Gentry's giant war machine. Gentry is kind of cool. I don't want to do him dirty like that. You will listen to me because I am your father. Your mother is not here to tell you any different.
0: And he frowns and says, "Okay, dad, give me just a bit. And while this has been happening, Buster is continuing to distract Gentry. But then he turns back to you and he's like, Dad, Gentry's offering us some insurance. That sounds like it could be a pretty good deal to me.
2: What kind of insurance?
0: Well, I've got not only a health plan, but I've also been able to get vision and dental up and running as well. It's taken a while, but I've finally made it working.
2: Who's paying for it?
0: And he pauses and you can see he like looks down at Buster. You can't see what Buster is mouthing to him because he's turned away from you. But Gentry pauses and then he goes, you would be paying for it.
2: I would be paying for it? Not the generous general public.
0: The American way.
2: Gentry? I know you're just telling me what I want to hear, but I'm liking what you have to say.
0: Awesome. Just follow me into my war machine and well, and then there's this huge explosion and you hear sparks of electricity. Just this massive cloud of dust starts radiating over the place. A bit of it kind of flies into the bunker through this little door that they're talking through and Gentry sighs heavily and says, okay, I'm gonna go get another war machine and then maybe we'll talk about this another day. In the meantime, stop drinking battery acid it's going to be really bad for you
2: there's nothing in this world that isn't bad for you i'm just taking the stuff that i have and i'm just you know just living the american dream
0: and he says okay we got so close this time same time next week john
2: all right sounds good
0: and you hear his boots crunching away off into the distance and you know he's going to show up next week just like clockwork lights up on the pained mind of bingo dingo as he is rousing from unconsciousness there is a sharp pain on the back of his head the harsh outback light is lancing in through his eyelids and there is a rumbling sound there is turbulence all around his body bouncing up and down the thing that is most odd though is the cacophony of brass instruments and reggae style guitar (laughs) and as his eyes finally crack open he finds himself bound trapped in a cage on the back of one of these great war machines
3: oh my head where am i
0: you hear a voice from the other side of this kind of cage you're in. It's like a bunch of different cells that have been built onto the back of this large war machine. And from the adjacent cell to you, you hear a voice say, I think we got captured and I don't know where they're taking us.
3: Gentry, glad to see you. Is everybody else out cold?
0: Yeah, uh, they all got hit on the head pretty darn hard, I mean, so did we, but I was able to kind of duck at the last moment, and I guess they didn't hit me quite as hard because I'm still awake, and you must have a really, really thick head because holy cow, they just whacked you right on the <coughs> back of the head with an entire sousaphone, and here you are. Wow,
3: that explains it.
0: Yeah, I don't know where they're taking us, but it's it's not going to be good, whatever it is, and. Whew, I don't know. Mr. McScrooge is going to be really, really unhappy when he wakes up, and I just don't know how I'm going to face trying to sort all of this out.
3: Gentry, how long have you worked for Mr. McScrooge? what you... I mean, it seems like you've been with him for a while.
0: Yeah, it started out as an internship when I was in high school, actually. It was on my summer break. You know, my parents were like, hey, you need to get a job for the summer, and I didn't want to, like, deliver newspapers, and I didn't want to work at the local soda fountain or anything like that. So I got a job working for this really, you know, wealthy hedge fund manager he was just up and coming back in those days but you know it kind of caught on and he was like hey why don't you drop out of school and you can just make lots of money working for me instead and so that's what i did that's impressive i mean you just seem so capable man i
3: feel like you've got secrets hiding inside everywhere not unlike myself
0: well, you know, for the first few years it was mostly administrative kind of stuff, but then Mr. McStrude started getting really paranoid because he was so wealthy and he just had these premonitions, he kept calling them, that there were people around every corner waiting to assassinate him and take all of his money. And so he turned to me and he was like, Gentry, we're going to have you do more than just accounting kind of stuff. We're going to expand your skill set, but I'm not allowed to tell you how I expanded my skill set.
3: Wow. Of course not. I understand. That's sort of professional secrets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you're familiar with all that stuff. I mean, you you're you're so strong and so confident and so capable, and I'm sure that, you know, you've probably had stuff you've done in the past that you need to keep secret or else you know you'd have to have to kill me as it were. Um, <laughs>
3: yeah. Totally. <laughs> I chuckle nervously, and as we bounce along, I'll just kind of start doodling with a rock on the side of this metal cage.
0: Oh, are you coming up with a plan? Uh, an escape plan? Some schematics over there? Oh, yeah, of course. It's what I
3: do. You know, survival. It's a it's a mindset.
0: Yeah. Oh, I wish I had that mindset, because I'm, I'm going to level with you. I am not very confident right now that we're going to survive this.
3: Gentry, I'm going to level with you. I pretend to know a lot of things. I don't necessarily know them all the time. But you know what? If you pretend you do, then a lot of the time it works out. And you, you're just always bowing and scraping to that mean old Mr. McScrooge. I think you gotta stand up for yourself, mate.
0: Stand up to Mr. McScrooge? I mean, he, he's my boss. He's the one who pays all of my bills and all of, uh, gives me my paycheck. And if, if I try and stand up to Mr. McScrooge, then... I. I don't know. That that sounds like a risky sort of maneuver.
3: You gotta take risks in life for anything worthwhile to happen, mate. And you know what? I think if you were to do that, he might respect you more.
0: Oh man. I mean, it sounds appealing. It sounds like the kind of thing that you'd hear in a motivational speech or something. But I don't know. But what, what about you, Bingo Dingo? Like, what was the biggest risk that you've ever taken?
3: Oh man. Aside from all the crocodiles I've probably wrestled and all of the bunyips I've chased after. Sometimes life doesn't go the way you want it to go. Sometimes you just gotta break out. Just go and do something crazy, something totally out of character. That's what I feel like I did when I came out here.
0: So you weren't always this wild, rugged frontiersman?
3: Nah, I'm pretty new to the job,
0: mate. I mean, based on our current situation, I can't say I'm entirely surprised to hear that, (laughs) but I mean, you just, you've got the air. You just ooze this confidence that I, I'll be honest, I just really admire and I wish I had, and I don't know how to get myself there. Well, you know
3: what you've got? You've got a sort of sincerity about you that I feel like I don't have, and I admire that about you.
0: Maybe you and I should sort of meet in the middle. And he scooches over to the edge of his cage that is closest towards yours. He can't get all the way there because his ankles are shackled to the floor of the cage, but he gets as close as he can. Gentry, I got something to tell you.
3: What's that? Lean in real close.
0: Gentry, I'm a sham.
3: I think you've convinced me. I'm going to tell the other guys when they wake up. Wait, wait, but I'm wait, not wait, Australian. Oh, gosh. I'm not a frontiersman. I'm not a ruffle and tumble explorer. I've never seen a crocodile except in a zoo. I just moved here from America after a really bad breakup. I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just trying to reinvent myself, you know?
0: Man, this is a lot to take in. And you notice that he gets very pensive and he pauses for a moment as he's thinking, but then eventually he says, Well, you know what? If you're not entirely what you said you were, then maybe I'm not entirely what I'm saying I am. Maybe I'm not a spineless, gutless coward. And maybe if you can have the courage to tell everybody else the truth, maybe I can have the courage to stand up for myself. Man, you
3: got this. I've seen the way you handle absolutely everything for Mr. McScrooge. I mean, you I don't think he'd survive a day in the regular world, let alone a post-apocalyptic Outback world without you.
0: He is giving it some more thought, but after a while he looks up at you and reaches out his hand and it can just barely make it through the bars of your cage and he says, Do we have a deal?
3: Yeah, we've got a deal. I come clean, use some of that sincerity I learned from you, and you take some of that confidence from Bingo Dingo. You can call me Fred, and you stand up, all right? We'll get out of this somehow.
0: You clasp hands and share this bond under the terrible sun and all of the flying dust. And there's a moment of silence as the band finishes their number before they start up the next song. And there's a big bump in the terrain that shoots you up into the air and breaks your handshake and you fall to your opposite sides of the cage. And he looks ahead with fear, but then glances over at you and gives you a smile and a nod as you continue on into the outback. You're a good man, Gentry. You too. Glad we got each other. Me too and the caravan proceeds on.